Got the chorus down pretty good. I just have to work on the verses some, but it's a great chorus. Don't you think? Don't you think? It's one of those songs you can be singing at the top of your lungs going down the road. People look at you and they say, what's wrong with that person? Nothing. Nothing's wrong with us. We're doing just fine. Where are we at? Where are we at on Sunday mornings? What chapter? What book? What book? Book of Acts. Book of Acts. We finished five chapters already. It took us 26 lessons, but we finished five chapters. And today we're in beginning the sixth chapter. It's kind of a new division because we're going to see the first ministers, the first ministers. And we'll explain that as we get through this into the message. The first ministers, but we're kind of, if you look at it, it's kind of going in sections. This is a new section in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts. Are you glad to be in God's house today? I pray that you are. I pray that you are. I pray that you've come here on purpose. Saying, God, I really need to hear from you. God, I need you to speak to my heart. God, I'm having some difficulty here. I need you to shape my heart. Chip off all the bad places, dear God. Fashion me to be like you. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. You know, Rick can attest to this. You work on your message, you study, and God does a work in your heart and life. And a lot of times as you're speaking, the Holy Spirit just seems to give you something in you. And it comes out and you go, oh, that was for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's the kind of relationship God wants to have with each and every one of us. He wants to, as you're walking down the road, He's with you. As you're driving your car, he's with you. Your constant fellowship. And how sweet that is. Let's go ahead and read the first seven verses of the book of Acts chapter 6. It says, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied. Hmm. Now, now, as we read through this, let the words mean something to you. There arose a murmuring against the Grecians and the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and of Nicor, and Temen, and Parmenas, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had laid, prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Okay, folks, we're at the time of the message. On purpose, you need to listen. On purpose, you need to open your heart. Let this be a different Sunday than some of the other Sundays. Let God really speak to you. Let's pray. God. Simple prayer this morning. We are needy people, and we need you. We ask that you teach us through your word and your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
book of Acts. I've enjoyed this study, Alice, as we're driving. She said, I'm looking forward to hearing from the book of Acts this morning. And then I thought to myself, yeah, but I'm the one that's teaching it. So, but you know what? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is exciting as you're going into a study. It's nice to know where it's, you're going to be and where you're at. And you know, folks, uh, kind of like in school, you had the teacher said, that, did you do your assignment? Did you read the, 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 the pages that were assigned to you? You can actually read ahead. You can actually read ahead and study it and see what you get from it. And then we come back together on Sunday and we can, we can speak about it. Well, we've been walking slowly through the book of Acts. Remember, we're taking in all the sights. We want to see whatever it is that God has for us. We want to make application in our life. We want to make sure that we are staying true to the word of God and that we are a true New Testament church and that we are truly following the apostles' doctrine. What were some of the first things that we saw? Speak to me. What were some of the first things we saw in the book of Acts? Anybody? What was it? But Jesus was walking around. Remember the many infallible proofs. He was there because he was showing people, I rose from the grave. Didn't want, because he knew what they were going to say. All oh, the disciples stole his body. But then he was resurrected. We watched and waited for the spirit, the 120 in the upper room. We saw the spirit arrive and the filling of the Holy Spirit. We heard that great sermon that Peter preached and, and we watched as the multitudes responded and 3,000 were added to the the church that day. We saw a certain lame man and we learned that this lame man is like we are spiritually. We're spiritually lame until we receive Jesus Christ, our personal savior. Unfortunately, sometimes children of God have spiritually lamed themselves because of the sin and the life that they lead. We saw again, Peter preaching again to the multitude. We spoke of the glory of God, Jesus' name, the greatness of his name. We talked about the fellowship and the filling and the family of this company of people, the, the early church. We saw those disobedient apostles again preaching in the temple when they were told not to do that. We saw Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit and he killed them in an effort to keep the church pure. And what we learned how the church met and gathered daily. We learned how the Sanhedrin continued to try to keep the apostles from preaching. And today we're going to talk about the first ministers. First ministers. Well, there were, there's some new voices. <clears throat> there's some new voices. New players, if you will, in this church. In this church. It says, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied. It was multiplied. You read that last verse and it says it was greatly multiplied. Not just added to the church. We're praying that God would add to our church. But can you get a hold of this and think about this? That God would greatly multiply McKee Road Baptist Church. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? Well, this early church was hitting on all cylinders, if you will. On all cylinders. God's plan is for all of his church to be hitting on all cylinders. Well, the consternation or the feelings of anxiety by the Sanhedrin were well founded. They were trying to squelch this movement. They were trying to put these men in prison. They were trying to keep them from preaching the gospel. 
They couldn't. As a matter of fact, it was much like, it's much like the fires we got going on through the state of California. These wildfires, what the God's moving, the Holy Spirit, and how people were responding to it. I'm kind of getting ahead of the, my message, but it's here. That's what God wants. He wants this church to be on fire. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take a oneness. It's going to take a oneness where we are all searching to see God's Holy Spirit, what he would do, how he would use us in this church. People were flocking to the church. I mean, can you imagine a day when we can't get everyone inside the sanctuary? That's what God would have. That's what God would have. Unfortunately, we get so busy and consumed living in this great country. Yes, it's still a great country, greatest country in the world. We've got our problems, but you know what? We become a bit, uh, we're overprivileged, I think, sometimes. We've got so much at our disposal, so much that we can do. God has blessed us so much that a lot of times in, the, in that he's blessed us, we might take and use that blessing to, this is an illustration, buy a boat, and then out, we're out gone on a Sunday because we're out on the lake. Or we've got a motor home because we want to be up in the hills. Okay, when God has blessed us, folks, we need to be serious about how we are going to serve God, if we're going to serve God. It's more than just coming to church and filling the pew. It's more than just singing a song half-heartedly. It's more than just putting in the minimum of your tithes and offering. It's being involved. It's being involved. However, growth and size does not solve all the problems. You know, often... A bigger church has a bigger problem. And this is what's going on here. They were growing by leaps and bounds. And so Satan again is going to attack the church from within. From within. And he's going to try to kill the church. But he cannot kill the church. And it was wrapped around money again. Interesting enough. Interestingly enough. But it was not just two people. This time it was a multitude of people. A multitude of people. In the second part of verse 1 it says, There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. They were neglected. Now whether it was true or not, perception is reality, they say. Perception is reality. I mean, I, I may perceive something and I go, that's what I think. Well, that's my reality. So at any rate, there was a problem. There was a problem. See, there are two kinds of Jews within the church, and there are two kinds in Jewish society in those days. There were, uh, there's always been a degree of tension between, they had the Hellenistic Jews, and you had the Hebrew Jews. Hellenistic were kind of the Greek type uh, and then the Hebrew Jews. The Hebrew Jews kind of wanted to stay just exactly as they were going and doing and kind of kept things kind of tight. And the Greek Jews were a little bit different. You know, it's kind of like some of the churches that we have across Bakersfield even. They may not do exactly as we do, but you know what? If they preach Christ, praise God. Praise God. But at any rate, the Hebrews were in charge of this. They were in charge of this. And uh, there were tensions. There were tensions, and they went back a long way. Actually, the Hellenistic uh, Jews go back to 323 B.C., I believe it is. I looked that up. So, now the tension had come into the church. Tension had come into the church. There was a great concern 
for the poor in the early church. They wanted to make sure that people were eating. People had food, and that's good, and we should watch out for one another. But widows made up a fairly large segment of the poor, and the daily distribution of charity was in the hands of the Hebrew Jews, the Hebrew Jews. And the Hellenistic believers, rightly or wrongly, were convinced that there was discrimination against their widows. And naturally, that would cause attention. If somebody felt like, well, this person's not being treated properly, yes, that's going to cause tension. Going to cause tension. See, Satan's goal was to divide the church. Now, folks, you need to understand. You know, it's kind of like when uh, you get married, you think, oh, this is great. You know, everything's going to be great. Well, guess what? You have situations, you have conflict, you have problems that come up, and you have to deal with it. There's nothing wrong with the problem that presents itself. There's nothing wrong with the conflict that presents itself. It's in all how, how we go about handling it. And that's what the church had to do. The church had to do. So they are going to call a meeting. It says, then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them. The, the apostles were going, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's a problem here. We've got to deal with it. We've got to handle it. That's why when something goes on, I may come to you at some time and say, hey, is there something going on? Uh, why? We want to make sure that there's no dissension. We want to make sure that there's nobody splitting off because there's a problem. We want to, they wanted to, to do the Barney Fife thing. They wanted to nip it in the bud. They wanted to nip it in the bud. So what they did was they wisely chose to include the whole church. And that's the way we like to do things. We want to include the whole church. We want to be open and above board. We try to do that here. Each local church is an autonomous church. It's having the right or self-government, the ability to self-govern themselves. And this was a situation that had come up that was not dealt in scripture by precept or maybe even principle, maybe some by principle, but they were going to decide how to do, take care of this, how to take care of this. So each church is led by the pastor under the direction of the Holy Spirit. But while the church is not a democracy, it's not a dictatorship either. We're all working together. We're all working together. And that's what they were doing here. They were saying, we've got to work this out. So they go on and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. The apostle said, look, we've got a lot going on here. There's a lot of things to do. We got to be in a certain place so these guys can arrest us again. You know, we got to, this is what we need to be about doing. We need to be about prayer and the word. And we can't leave the table, the uh, word of God, and serve tables. That's just common sense. A person can only do so much. That's why God fitly joins the body together, and every person has a part, everybody doing their part. You know, when you go to work, uh, or when you worked, if you retired, you had a specific thing to do. Other people in your company had a specific thing to do. Not everyone did the same thing or does the same thing. Why? Because everyone working together makes it happen. And that's the same way with the church, everyone working together. Serving tables was important, but the apostles said, they can't do it. We just don't have the time. I just don't have the time. So then he goes in verse 3, he says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, 
whom we may appoint over this business. Over this business. Look at the criteria. The criteria. They, we're not looking for the richest guy to, to do our uh, uh, finances. You know, We're not looking for the good businessman that could help us to administrate how we go about organizing our meetings and doing church. Nowadays, unfortunately, churches look that way when they're looking for some men or people to serve in a certain capacity. They look for what they've done in the world. They were getting some ministers, some deacons, some deacons. And this was the criteria. It said, men of honest report. I'm looking for good men. I'm looking for good men. By the way, they need to be full of the Holy Ghost. You know, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you act a certain way. Certain things come out of your mouth. You're uplifting even when your life is falling down around you. Why? Because it's not about you, it's not about your problems, but you're full of the Holy Ghost and he causes you to be a certain way. And it says, and of wisdom, not of your own wisdom, that's God's wisdom, God's wisdom. See, a, a successful man, a successful man might not be a spiritual man, doesn't qualify. On the other hand, a spiritual man not be, may not be a sensible man, so he may have disqualified himself there. Or a man successful in business might qualify, but just because a man is wealthy does not mean he is spiritual. So you've got to go back to what God's word says. What God's word. So first, he had to be a good man. He had to be a good man. It was of paramount importance. Paul says that for a good man, some would even dare to die in Romans 5, 7. He had to be a man who commanded love and respect of others. When you looked at him, you had, you just, I can't say anything bad about him. I mean, they just are always there. If there's anything I need, they're, they're there. Had personal integrity and an unblemished character. Somebody that avoided evil. See, now men, we have to watch there. Sometimes we walk ourselves into evil, don't we? We need to avoid evil. Be like Job, one that eschewed evil. He ran from it. And you need to be a godly man, full of the Holy Ghost, gifted man, and that he is full of God's wisdom. Not all good men, not all godly men are wise. He had to be a man that made sensible decisions. So they said, let's pick out seven. I want you to pick out seven. By the way, that is still the criteria for today's churches. That is still the criteria for today's churches. Men, let me talk to you. We need to step up. We need to step up. We need to be an example. We, we need to quit walking behind our wives. We need to lead. We need to be the spiritual example. And he goes on in verse 4, he says, But we will continually, uh, give ourselves continually to prayer and ministry of the word. Again, God fitly joins the church. And together we have a part and we do the work of God. So we go on and we see in the first part of verse 5, it says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude. There was wisdom in what the 
apostles decided to do. We want to include the whole church. This is what we're going to do. It was so sensible and it was so fair that the church unanimously said, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Well, here are the men, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. As Stephen, we'll be studying about him tonight, begin to study about him. Uh, this chapter is full of Stephen. And I'll tell you, he is quite a man. Had the gift of preaching, and uh, he's a deacon. Gift of wisdom. And Philip, we know Philip, and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. See, the dispute now, back to where we were at, were, was between the Hellenists and the Hebrews. And so you had two groups from different countries, even, different ways. And you got to find a way to bring the church together meld it together. The Hellenists complained that they, their widows were being discriminated against. It's interesting when you look through this, notice that the, all these deacons' names, there were Hellenist names. Do you think that was by accident? I think the Hebrews said, wait a minute, we don't want that to be looked at as like we're doing that. And if we were, please forgive us. But let's pick seven men full of honest reports that have Hellenist names. They were trying to bring the church together. They were giving of themselves. Kind of the weak, stronger brother to the weaker brother even. We learned so many things. First name mentioned was Stephen. Full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And he demonstrates that very quickly in the next few scriptures. Next was Philip, always to be distinguished from Philip the Apostle. We often call this deacon uh, the evangelist. The evangelist. I look in our church and I see some that I go, the evangelist. The evangelist. His evangelistic gifts were soon going to be made manifest to the church. The first two men mentioned illustrates Paul's comment in 1 Timothy 3.13 where it says, For they that have used the office of a deacon servant well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. We need men. We need men in this church that will be wholly following God. Stephen was the first martyr of the church, by the way. And Philip became its first missionary. Prochorus is not so well known, and the other four, really don't know much about them at all. But these were seven men, full of the Holy Ghost, of good report. In verse 6, it says, Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now, the laying on of hands was a common Jewish practice. Uh, it did not bring you any special gift or anything like that. It was a commissioning. Because these men, at the time selected, had everything they needed, everything they needed for their work. Verse 7, it says, and the word of God increased. That's an interesting phrase. And the word of God increased. I mean, the word of God is just being published and proclaimed 
all over the place, all over the place. I mean, you couldn't go into a conversation down at the market or wherever and not hear somebody talking about Jesus and his word. And the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem, again I say, greatly, greatly. Oh, don't you know this must have infuriated the Sanhedrin. Here they are, they're doing the best. They're the ones that have been running the show for a lot of years. A lot of years, they're running it all and everything, and you know, they're building the little empires and what have you. And along comes this upstart guy named Jesus, and so we kill him, and then he has the audacity to race from the grave, and now he's walking around, and then he went to heaven, and now these guys are pretty bold, and they're preaching, and this is quite a movement, and we know how to stop it because we're losing our control. We're losing our power. I'll tell you what. The new evidence of unity in the church made it possible to pour out an even greater blessing. That's why the church was multiplying greatly, because of the unity, the unity of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people. Now, this is how it is in times of true revival. I mentioned the fires earlier. That's what it is. We need a fire of revival going through this church. We need a fire of revival going through Bakersfield. You know, I look at our city and I go, we don't have enough churches. We don't have enough Baptist churches. We don't have enough churches preaching the gospel. In my mind, I envision one, two, three, another six churches just off the top of my head that would be loved to be, have a part in starting and then bring in a pastor preach. This is communities, 400,000 people, almost city limits. And you go in the outlying areas, it's what, it's three quarters of a million. Have they all heard the gospel? A lot of them attend church, but have they heard the gospel? Do they know Christ is our savior? And it's interesting as we look at the last part of verse seven, it says, and a great company of the priests were obedient to, uh, obedient to the faith. These priests have been observing this as it went on, all these things were happening. And they went, wait a minute, this makes sense. They probably got together and they said, you know what? The veil in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, and it was about that thick, as no man could have done that. And you know what? That happened at the precise moment that this Jesus was crucified and died on the cross. And they too realized what had happened, and they became obedient to the new faith. However, it's interesting as you look at it, that can present another problem, a new problem, because you've got some coming in that have received Christ as their savior, but they want to bring in some of the old ways. Kind of like in the book of Galatians. It has to be by faith, but there must be circumcision. You know, it's faith alone. It's faith alone. But hey, that's when a church is growing, that's what you deal with. You deal with situations. You deal with situations. And that's where discipleship comes in. We're to see people saved, we're to disciple them. That's basically the message for this morning. But I have a couple of questions. What of us, McKee wrote, are you satisfied running 40, 50, 30 on a Sunday night? Praise God, we had 30 Wednesday night in the service. I jokingly said, uh, every time I looked down 
to read something or pray and I'd come back up, there'd be more people uh, coming in. So I, I was thinking about being like one of those, one of those birds that kind of you see in the front yard doing that. Am I the one? So maybe we get more in there. I don't know. But it was exciting to see people come into God's house. It was exciting to understand that people wanted to hear from the Lord. Folks, if we don't get excited about it, nobody else is. You know, my, your neighbor's not going to come to you and say, hey, I need to go to church with you. Why? Because you're not over there saying, hey, I'd like you to come to church with me. And then when you come out, you know, is there a smile on your face? Are you happy? Are you showing the love of God? You know, that family just had a tragedy in their, in their home. And yet, they've got a smile on their face. They have got something I need. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you. To work through you. Do we have such a unity within the body that the Holy Spirit can pour out his blessing upon us here? It ought to be that way. That's what God wants. He wants to multiply greatly in this day. That was his plan. His plan has not changed. It's the same. It's the same. When's the last time McKee Road Baptist truly had revival? Some of you have been here many years. When's the last time McKee Road Baptist truly had revival? I was talking to a preacher the other day. I said, how's the church doing? He said, it's, it's doing well. He said, we got people that are inviting their neighbors to church and they've not done that. They're inviting their neighbors to church. Folks, are we inviting our neighbors to church? When's the last time you had revival? When's the last time that what drove you as you're doing all your other duties and activities was to see God's will done, to see his name proclaimed, to see people get saved and baptized, to see people discipled? I want to be a church like that. I want to be like that early church. And there's nothing that keeps us from, from that happening. I look at everything that was going on around them. And these people telling them, Sanhedrin saying, you can't do this. And the apostles would walk, march right into the temple and preach. What are they doing in my temple? They can't do that. And basically it was, stop me. Am I going to obey you or God? Stop me. You know, we got a election coming up here Tuesday, state of California. I envision that probably what will happen is that our governor will be retained. And most likely, I think that he'll come down on us again. That's me. Folks, there may come a day where they say you can't preach in the church. We're going to have services here. And I'm counting on you guys to come and bail me out. Okay? Why? I'm serious about what's going on. I want to see God's work done and accomplished. Makira Baptist Church, do you want to have a church that is being multiplied greatly? Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you for much, so much for this day. I thank you for the truth of your word. I pray, God, that as we take this time of reflection and allow you to inspect us, introspection of our heart, search us, O oh God. You know us.
try us, reveal our thoughts to ourselves. God, are we serious? I pray that we are. Father, there might be some here this morning that have some issue in their life. Lord, the altar's open. You can, they can meet with you at any time. Father, there may be some here that do not know you as Savior. Well, today can be the day of their salvation. God, we know that Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty of all man's sin. If we'd but repent of our sin, receive you as Savior. And God, there may be some here that are ready for baptism. Lord, if today they'd like to come and present themselves for baptism, uh, they can come here and meet with me, and we'll do that. Father, there may be some there just looking for a church. Whatever the need is, God, we know that you are more than able. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand together, please, with head bowed, heads bowed and eyes closed.